Welcome to the Nutrigenomic Nation podcast with Brian Highfield, certified nutritionist, author, speaker, and founder of multiple successful companies in the health world. Brian is known for educating healthcare professionals and others on improving their health and their life through breakthroughs in nutrition, technology, and biochemistry. On the podcast, Brian interviews thought leaders in the world of nutrition and natural health. He and his guests share the secrets of a whole life natural approach to health and the life-altering results you can get by making easy changes to your diet and daily routine. All right, welcome to Nutrigenomic Nation, where we talk about nutritional-based healthcare technology and emerging trends related to your genetic health. So today we have a very special guest. We have Dr. Brett Bramhall. Doc, uh, Dr. Bramhall is a doctor of chiropractic medicine, and he's been in clinical practice for almost 20 years now, and he trains healthcare providers all around the world. And he and his father pioneered the six steps of wellness. So Dr. Bramhall, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Brian, super, uh, super glad you asked me and looking forward to helping other people. So I appreciate you giving me the opportunity. Uh, awesome. And so um, I don't know personally all my guests, but uh, Brett and I have actually known each other for several years now. So this is, this is awesome that uh, uh, we're actually friends and, and have been working together for, for a number of years. And, uh, but as with all my guests, I want our audience to get to know you a little bit. So can you tell us a little bit more just about your background and why you chose chiropractic as a career? No, I absolutely would love to. You know, um, I always see myself uh, first as a father and then as a, just a human, but uh, then a husband and, you know, a community member and then a doctor. And above all that, you know, you're just a child of God. So um, why I chose to become a physician really because of what I, was, I grew up with. My dad actually was going to be a dentist. Uh, his father was a contractor. Um, his dad said, I'm going to work you so hard, all you can think about is school. So I grew up on this philosophy of work hard and do a, do a great job because whatever you do is a reflection upon us and your family. And the main reason I went into chiropractic is that growing up, I just knew if I didn't feel good, uh, whether I was stressed about, you know, girl dumping me or test at school or I was hurting from playing basketball and couldn't sleep, whatever it was, I would get adjusted physically and felt better. My dad very early on taught us about nutrition. I, I don't even, my brother is just older than me. He didn't pass his kindergarten class because he didn't know what a lollipop and a sugar bowl was, right? <laughs> so this was the life that I grew up with. And I just knew that I wanted for my family what, what I had, which is when I got adjusted, I felt better. I thought everybody grew up that way. And then as I, as I kind of got a little bit older um, and went out on my own, I realized it was very unusual compared to the, the world. And I still remember going on a mission for two years and coming back. And I fell in love with teaching. I fell in love with seeing people, you know, finding hope. And I knew I, I kind of considered maybe doing seminary or something like that in, in, the, in the teaching of religion, just because I loved that part of, of seeing people open up. And then I realized as a clinician that I could do both, that I could, as a doctor, I could describe my, I could disguise myself as somebody that could talk about religion or to could talk about God or could talk about whatever the belief system was, bring it back to how it affects them physically, emotionally. And that's really where the six steps to wellness were born. Um, and we really tried to describe what, how we were practicing. My dad was having people fly from in all over the world to be treated by him, not because he intended for that, but he would just have people sent to him that other people weren't helping 
And we started looking at the person as a whole, physically, emotionally, biochemically, and asking the question, like, why is this person not manifesting health? And so the reason why I came to this direction is really because, one, I wanted it for my family, and two, I fell in love with the process of helping people just have hope, um, whether it was physical hope, emotional hope, or a combination of, of all the three. Awesome. So you mentioned the six steps of wellness. I mean, what is, what is that all about? I mean, obviously, our listeners are here to learn more about their own health or maybe to help those of a loved one. What, what is your six steps of wellness? What is that secret? Well, the secret really is working with the whole person. Um, so many people, when they go to physician, they're heard but not seen. And what I mean by that is I can't tell how many times somebody says that the doctor says everything's fine, like on lab work or uh, they can't find out what's going on and they just feel horrible. Well, the reason being is that they're not, they're looking from the set of eyes that they have. So if somebody walks in, the only tool you have is surgery, you're looking for a way to help that person. If the only tool you have is a medication, you're looking to see if that tool is a fit, right? So that's your food, that's your diet, um, that's your nutritional supplementation, all right? Do you need emotional support? You know, we talk, we, that's simply, we want you to reevaluate your limiting belief systems and change those right? Because that changes what, how you see the world. And getting rid of toxins, identifying allergies and sensitivities, and finding ways to offset the electromagnetic stress we're under. That's the six things. We're looking at the whole person. Really simple question is, are there ways we can decrease the stress on the body? Are there ways we can enhance how the body functions? Which now the term we hear about all the time is, is called biohacking, right? The idea of like, not only not being sick, but being optimal, and typically, most people are just trying not to have a symptom, and that's really medicine. You know, even commercials you watch. Well, you know, if you have pain, you're not supposed to feel it. No, you're feeling pain because there's something not right. And if we're just taking something so you can't feel it, then you're missing the message. Like you and I being married, like if, <laughs> if we don't get the message the first time, right, you're going to get it the second time or, or you're going to lose the communication. That's literally what's happening inside people's cells. They're not listening. Um, they're trying to not hear the answer and really because not being taught. And then, then the cells quit communicating. And so the six steps is looking at that whole reason why that might be. And then finding ways to remove the interference and finding ways to support the system's natural functions. So, you, and you said a lot of people, they're just not feeling right. And, and their doctor, if they're going to a, an MD, they're saying, well, you're fine. They, they're running their batch of tests um, and, and like you said, they're trained in a certain way and they're running their batch of tests. They're saying, well, I can't find anything wrong. And so do they then seek you out? And if they do, what, what type of test do you run that's different than what their family doctor may be running? Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that question because I, I truly believe that all physicians, I'd say all, but most physicians really want to help people no matter what training they have. But we're limited based upon the knowledge which we have, right? So if, we, if we're not trained to see it, we're not going to see it. Right. And so just having the background of having me in a chiropractor, looking at physical medicine, having nutritional background, having an acupuncture background, I see the, and, and studying a lot of psychology, I see people more complete, I would say. And it's not so much even the different tests, there are different tests I run, but it's how I look at the tests. Right. So just take a simple example of a vitamin D level. Okay. Vitamin D level ranges is anywhere from, depending on your lab, 20 to 100. That's the normal. Okay. So if that's normal, what's optimal, right? So I don't run a record five mile run. I just don't. I can run a mile, right? I could probably do it in seven and a half minutes still if I really tried, but I'm not running under five or under four. So what's normal? So there are difference between normal and common, 
all right, and optimal. And so even vitamin D, optimal in my world is 85, right? Because why would you want to be just above normal when it comes to a vitamin that's essential? So in school, I, I, so any test I'd look at it just that way, whether it's a physical test of how much can you can lift to whether it's a flexibility test of how flexible you are or whether it's your thyroid levels or whether it's your liver function or your kidney function is I'm looking at optimal levels for vitamin D 85, right? So it's like, like in school, you know, if you have an A through an F, well, you can pass school with a D minus. You can go to the next grade. It doesn't mean you're ready. It doesn't mean that I want you to be my surgeon. It just means you pass the class. And so it's really more of how we look at it and also understanding we're looking for the process that's struggling, not for what's broken. Because most of the time it's not broken. Most of the time it's a process that's struggling and it, the people are looking at symptoms versus looking at systems. And if you look at systems, you can improve how a system functions. If you can improve the function, you improve the, the experience of a person and how, what they're able to do, what they're able to achieve and what they're able to experience. And so I really think it's more of how we look at it, right? I'm not trying to fix anybody. Like I'm trying to help them understand the choices that you make. And even the things that you're not aware of is either leading you towards health and functionality or towards disease and dysfunction. And unfortunately, there are a lot of things that people are not aware of that are affecting them. There's a lot of things that they're doing that they think is okay. And it's really not because they're taught that it's normal and common. <laughs> but guess what? Just because it's normal and common, to run a red light, it doesn't mean it's wise. So what are some examples there of some, some of the things that people are doing that's, that's really, that you know, they for may instance, not understand it, that it's bad for their health? Yeah, for sure, right? So as simple as, as what you drink, right? What's normal? Normal is what's called the standard American diet. They call it standard American diet what most people do, which means that they're, they're, they're literally eating about less than 10% of their foods raw. That may be normal, but it's not good. Okay, even what you drink, like most of what you drink should be water, if not all, right? Because if, if you're not, then your body's having to extract the water from it, get rid of the garbage, just so it can survive. Um, and the food, food is designed to be alive. I think we want to be alive. So if you're not eating food that is alive and coming from a, a live source, it will literally rob you of other nutrients that your body needs in order to break it down. And even when it comes to people's emotions, burying stuff that they're feeling, right? We're taught not to feel certain things. Well, that's BS. Because if you don't understand what you're feeling and why and process those feelings, you'll literally become numb. And it's no different uh, in a relationship. If you quit listening to somebody when they're trying to get your attention, they're going to quit talking to you or they're going to yell at you. And so that's the difference. So a lot of things that we're just taught that is normal. So it just, you just know it's common, but it's not normal right? It's not normal to have a headache. It's common that people have headaches, but it's not normal. It's common that people are 20, 30, and 40 pounds overweight. It's common, but it's not normal. So we need to change the word from normal to common and understand like it's not optimal. And I think you're seeing a giant shift in the world today where people are just not, not okay with what's going on. And part of that is there's a lot of the world that is very toxic and some of it's by choice that like, whether you're, if you're drinking a soda, guys, that's the mostly toxic or whether it's you're breathing the air that's out there or that where you happen to grow up that the, the groundwater was damaged 30 years ago and it's damaging your, damaging your genes, right? So I want people to make good choices with what they know and understanding there's choices you can make to help offset the things that you don't know or the things you cannot control. 
So this whole uh, biohacking movement, and you were talking about genes there before, and so we know that nutrition can impact our genes, and that's what nutrigenomics is all about. So can you catch some of our listeners up just when, when we talk about nutrigenomics, because you're, you're an expert on this as well. What, what does nutrigenomics mean, and, and how can we optimize that technology for our health? Yeah, great question. So nutrigenomics really simply is put, it's your blueprint, right? Your genes are your blueprint. Um, and that just tells your cell what to make. The nutrition is, is the materials you're giving your genes to work with, right? So if you have bad nutrition in your genes, one, you can't make new, good new things, but you also can't remake your genes, your blueprint to look correctly, then you, they actually will mutate. And then you start producing things you don't want to produce, which in the worst case scenario would be cancer, all right? So nutrition and genes is really how those two mix together. I love your background, right? All these genes and food and stuff like that, right? <laughs> because that's literally the, the concept. So, and here's the other thing. So one reason I got into genetics was, I mean, I always studied a little bit, but when my mom developed cancer uh, back in 2007 and we lost her in 2008, it went full circle for us. Like we did everything that we knew right and as we did the study, we realized her genes were damaged based on the environmental exposure she had when she was really young. Um, she comes from a family of 10 kids, 10 siblings. There are now only two left. Her mom lived in 97. Her dad lived in 93. Wow. None of those kids lived past 85. And wow. it was literally because of the damage that was that the things they were exposed to when they were kids, where they grew up. And so you can have perfect genes that perfect, right? More perfect than they are, you know, optimal genes with great longevity. And they absolutely can manifest things you don't want based on environmental stuff. And some of that stuff you don't know about, in her case, she didn't know about the atomic testing that was done and happened to blow that way and is in the soil and groundwater. But, it, but there are a lot of things that you're doing every single day, not because your body wants it, but because your mind does. You don't eat sugar and you don't drink soda and we don't eat a Twinkie no, or drink a monster because we're like, oh, that's good for me. <laughs> no, you're, we're only doing it because we like the way it feels temporarily mentally, our taste buds. But it is absolutely um, changing your gene expression. When you eat that, your body's like, what are you doing? And your body, sometimes your tummy will hurt. Sometimes you get headache afterwards. Your body's having to clean that up. And so nutrition and genes is everything that goes in your body, everything you breathe, and how it affects your genes. And you can control a lot of that. They estimate about 90% of our genes are modifiable based upon what we do. So, and you, you know, so we can all relate to some of these bad things we all do, eating Twinkies or <laughs> drinking sugary drinks and things like that. And, and so as you described, that's doing a lot of damage. But, and, and you just said, there's, there's ways that we can modify our genes. So can we reverse some of that damage? Can we turn things back on that maybe we're turning off by these bad habits that we we're all guilty of doing those at one point or another in our lives. So what can yeah. we do about it? So you, you make different choices. You simply do. Right. Um, and we've all seen it. Whether you watch the movie, the biggest loser, or you've known somebody and you've watched them and they, they've gained a bunch of weight and then lost a bunch of weight or they changed their muscle tone. Right. Well, that all changed because they changed something, right? They changed what they ate. They changed what they thought. They changed what they drank. They changed the kind of exercise you, 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 they did. All the input you put in physically, emotionally, and biochemically changes the output, right? So if you want to change the output, you have to change the input. And science is telling us this all the time. And it's so cool to see. And it's so cool to kind of come full circle and, and understand this. So even looking at the vitamins and minerals and looking at their being tested on how it affected gene expression, 
or looking at neural feedback and how it's changing how the brain learns or looking at cognitive therapies and how it changes the way the brain wires, right? And so you have a lot of ways to modify this. And when you see that term biohacking, it's literally looking at ways to activate your brain, your body, and, and your mind into creating a different output. And it really starts with your when you sleep. I mean, your sleep and how well you sleep will affect whether or not you develop dementia years down the road, right? How well your bowels work will affect how well your cells heal and repair and whether or not you develop major conditions down the road as much, right? And so all of this stuff matters. We just don't tend to look at it until we are having like major issues because we're, yeah. re- we're in medicine, we're reactionary. Right. Uh, and so it was something you mentioned there. You mentioned um, our neural health, uh, cognitive abilities. And I know you've given several talks on something called nootropics and, and our listeners may not know what nootropics are. So I guess, can you start there? What, what are nootropics? Yeah. So a really fun concept. Like, you know, I've, I've always had a fascinating brain. I'm just one of those people that just, I don't know. I just, I think it's super cool. That, how does the brain work? Why does it work? And nootropic is literally a substance that enhances brain function. Like, so it's one that has to be brain protective, can't damage the brain, right? But it's, and it actually enhances what they call the tonality of the brain. So a tone would be, think of it like, like a tone of a muscle, right? We can look at somebody that's been exercising and they have a, like, no, that dude works, that, that dude, that lady works out because you can see the tone of the muscle. Well, your brain has a tone, whether it's a healthy tone or an unhealthy tone, a tone of leading to sadness or a tone of leading to happiness based upon being used more often. So they're actually looking at substances, uh, both medications and natural substances that cause a protection of brain and enhance of how the brain functions. Super, super fascinating, right? And this is really one of the keys that one of the, the scariest diseases people are afraid of, it's not cancer, it's Alzheimer's and dementia. People are more afraid of being alive but dead than dead because they don't wanna lose their mind. There's some super fun research right now going on looking at things just like we're talking the nootropics and what they what people should be doing from you know hacking into their sleep cycles to what they should be eat. Um, one of them, Dr. Bredesen, is the one that's really he had a book called The End of Alzheimer's. And if you guys only run thing today, just think about this. He says we need to be working on things that show up as Alzheimer's 20 years before we have a symptom. Wow. All right. What that tells you is the progression of Alzheimer's is slow. So what you see show up when you've seen somebody struggling with Alzheimer's has been going on most of the time, most of the time, 20 plus years. Yeah, that's probably a new concept for a lot of people. Because again, you said before, we're, we're all kind of reactionary mm-hmm. to our health and we wait to a point that it gets wrong that we feel like we need to seek help to go fix it. And now you're talking about something at least 20 years in advance, we would need to be aware of and take some steps. Is that right? Yep, exactly. And it's so true. Like we've seen that like you can't cram for a test. <laughs> right? It's, it, well, you can, it's just, it's not so, so good. But when you're coming for a final exam and you never showed up to class, it's not going to go well, right? And so the same thing is true with every part of our body. And our brain is one of those things that it heals slower, right? Because it, it, the nerves heal slower. Just like you break a bone, it's going to be in a cast for six to eight weeks, and it's still going to remodel for a year. Your liver is six months and it, every cell has been replaced. Your brain, it's just, it, it can repair. It's just slower, right? It has to retrain pathways. So what you are doing today matters today and if you do it consistently matters for years to come but not only this and here's kind of where hopefully you'll sink in a little bit it matters for the next generation okay because your genes that you have in your cells right now today when you go to conceive a child 
the healthier your genes are, the less mutations are there because of the choices you made, the less likelihood they are to develop problems. But the reverse is also true, right? That's why you'll see genetic conditions show up sooner than they did in the parents before. But could, you can take a good set of genes and have them manifest not so good things sooner, depending upon what you make, the choices you make. Yeah, that's something probably a lot of people don't even think about, especially younger people that want to get married and have a family. The choices you make, we're not born with a clean slate. We're past the genes from our parents, half from our mother, half from our father. And so what you're saying is if if we're doing things that are affecting our genes and our DNA now, uh, that's detrimental, we could pass that on to to our uh, offspring. Yeah. It's not, I'm hoping, it's not designed to be fearful or like, you know, bad. It's just, I want people to understand that the choices you make, like we want to feel and function great today. And that's mm-hmm. really what all of us do. And so I want you to use tools and techniques to allow you to function good today, but know what you do today matters for, for you and your future generations in the years to come. And that's in everything we do, whether that's, we're talking about physical health, because obviously, you know, you have kids, I have kids, they learn more by what you do than what you say. Right. And so if they see me working out, they see me taking my vitamins, my minerals, they see me trying to find how to be nice at conversations, right? That, that, that's their modeling, right? So as a, as a community, as a nation, as a world, like that modeling, we need to look at what we can control, understand that what everything you do matters, and then control the controllables. Use those simple things that matter. We can all control the sleep cycles we have. We can all control what goes into our, into our mouths. And we can definitely control the vitamins and minerals we put in ourselves and the quality of those. And we can control doing things like this. Like, I love that you're doing this. I love that you wrote your new book, right? Because people, most people want to know and they haven't been taught correctly. And it's not because they don't want to be better, but they've been taught it's normal, but it's not normal. It's common because if we look at the way that rolls, like it's not in the best interest for you to be healthy because there's a lot of money made on sick people and it takes a lot of work to be healthy. But I'll tell you what, it takes a lot more work to be sick. Wow. And that's, that's a great message for our listeners to hear. And I want to swing back a little bit to just the, the nootropics and the, because when I talk to a lot of, I talk to a lot of doctors and, and I talk to a lot of people and a common thing is they are looking to have more energy. That's like number one on their list. They just feel fatigued a lot, whether they have kids or not, <laughs> you know, they just feel fatigued. And so what are some takeaways for our listeners? What are some solutions for them as far as some, and let's talk, let's take, let's stay with natural products uh, rather than medications that are nootropics that they can take part of to maybe help with some of their, not only energy, but maybe cognitive abilities, some alertness, the ability to focus, especially if they're like a student or maybe need to need to focus for a work project or things like that. What are, what are some, what are some, um, some substances that, that our listeners can harness for some of those, uh, some of those abilities. Perfect. Uh, so I love what you said, energy, right? Uh, people come into my practice either for pain or for energy. That's probably the most common thing, right? And specifically, and this really hit home me a few years ago, someone said to me, because I saw an individual like literally make this massive shift when they started using nootropics, a nootropic drink specifically, and I watched this person unfold in front of my eyes and I've been working with them for a year. And they did, that change happened within a very short period of time. And it, it's just, it didn't make sense initially when I saw it. But when he said this phrase, it did. He said, look, the reason why that works is because people are mentally tired. 
even more so than they're physically tired. And it dawned on me, most of us don't do physical tasks. Like this right here isn't very physically demanding, but mentally it's fairly demanding to try to be on point. And so we're we, we were, a lot of us are only addressing body fatigue and not brain fatigue. And so when you're looking at nootropics specifically and nootropics for brain, it needs to address brain fatigue. The, the thing that people have used forever, right? They've used coffee, right? Coffee and caffeine, right? Why? It, because it gives you a sense of alertness. It mobilizes neurotransmitters. So you feel a little more alert. Now it's short-lived, right? So that's why some people go from like a cup of coffee to like a couple pots of coffee, right? So it is also, it's kind of a nootropic. It does have an effect on brain, but it's, it's not, the effects of it aren't cumulative, right? So I want people to learn, remember, retain and be able to recall information. If we can do that efficiently, we don't have fatigue, right? So there's specific things that are very well-known um, nootropics, um, L-theanine, green tea, there's uh, like pine bark, what's called DMAE, quercetin, um, vitamin D has some effect like that too. But it's not only the individual nootropics, even chocolate, right? Chocolate has some effect on brain, like can't tell a woman it doesn't, right? Those things, they all have a benefit, but if you look at how they combine them, the effect can be drastically different. So for instance, um, the energy drink market is huge. I mean, it's giant, right? But I've yet had somebody tell me they drink a monster, Red Bull, whatever else, and tell them it's good for them, right? That's not even, that's not even thought about, but it's like, it gives you wings, right? <laughs> Red <Bull gives> you <laughs> wings, right? But what it does, it helps them feel alert temporarily. The reason why the whole treatment for ADD years ago was a, a Mountain Dew and a Snickers bar, because they gave them sugar and caffeine, right? But now with science and technology and understanding that brain fatigue in different people feels differently. Like some people, it feels like overwhelmed. And other people, it feels, it feels lack of focus. And other people, it feels like feeling low and down. And other people feel super like nervous. But the bottom line is brain fatigue. So if you can combine nutrients, like LT is typically a calming agent. Caffeine is normally a stimulant. You combine those two, now you have a balance. But you throw that in with some other things that are brain protective, the combination of nutrients, I truly think what you're going to see happen in the future, instead of being so many things looking at, hey, vitamin D does this, vitamin C does this, or LT does this, it's really how do these guys work together? And the synergistic effect of those won't just be one plus one equals two. It's going to be like one plus one plus one equals like 15. And I mean, you know, I both know as we've seen that in different studies, but because in medicine, we like to isolate this one thing does one thing. Well, in a team, there may be a key player right, that's really good. But that key player can be either make the team better or worse if they don't have to play together, right? And nutrition, specifically what's called nutri the nutrigenomic aspect and the synergistic effect of that, it had a specific effect on that. And so you're going to have massive amount, in my opinion, you're going to see a lot of companies and processes not only look at individual nutrients, but how they combine together. And this is the reason why we do what's called a six-step to wellness. My dad years ago, he said, you know, people are like combination locks. And you have to open, put them at the right number, each one at the right time to open them up. And even nutrition, nutritional supplementation and foods are the exact same way. And if we can dial those right numbers, then the manifestation of this, the, the human experience is vastly different. And so the nootropics that I use have combined a lot of those, nu those nutrients in them in the right ratios. And so grateful I have them, not only because of how it allows me to feel and perform and how I watch other people feel and perform. But knowing full well, I've watched my own grandfather deal with dementia and I watched how he didn't, didn't know me anymore. Right. And if there's something I can do to just experience life today and maybe ward that off, 
I know I'm being proactive because the fear of getting something paralyzes people in the present. And so we need to be more proactive. We need to be less reactive. We need to work with treating systems, not symptoms. And we need to get content like this out to people and give them options. And the true, true thing you have that people have to take ownership of their own health, right? When I work with teenagers, they're all, I always ask them this question, who's in charge of you? Even young kids, younger kids, depending on their age. And without a doubt, most of them say my mom and dad. I say, guess what? Whoever wipes your butt is in charge of you. <laughs> because I want that to begin right now, that you got to take ownership uh, for where you're at. And then that, then that becomes, okay, the knowledge that you gain. I mean, so that's why I think, think you're doing it here, Ryan, is the reason why I say yes, is like, I want to get this stuff out to many people as possible. Because I know right now there are people out there today that have been struggling for years. Um, just because, not because they haven't seen good physicians, that physicians have been, haven't been trained this way. And I think, you know, God really all the time that I was put in a position where I just, was, I learned different. You know, I, I was taught a different way of seeing the world. And it's helped me, allowed me to help people that I wouldn't have known how to had I not been trained that way. And I think that's, that's a great message. I mean, you shared several stories with our listeners, very personal in nature, right? I mean, a story about your mother succumbing to cancer and your grandfather with, with Alzheimer's. And a lot of our listeners are either struggling with something themselves or uh, have family members who, who are, or loved ones uh, who are. And, and I think the message is a great message, to, I think, to end this on is is to be more proactive and that it does take time there's not a quick fix and the decisions we're making today is gonna is gonna affect us either positively or negatively in the future depending on what those decisions are um and i think it's a it's it's obviously a great message We you and i both know each other for a long time we both agree on that message and that's why we're doing this is to is to get that out there so my last question for you brett is how can our audience get to learn more about you. How can they connect with you? Do you have a website, um, Facebook page, anything like that? Yeah, so I'm on Facebook. I really try to put content out there. You can find, you know, my name, uh, Dr. Brett Brimhall, DC, uh, on Facebook. Uh, and then my email, drbrett at brimhall.com. Uh, you know, that's, you can find me those couple ways. I only see patients two days a week, though. Um, and then I spend other time doing this because I've found that uh, they're just, we need to get the information out faster. So, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to to do this and just nice to be part of a solution. I truly think the world needs this more now than ever before. Absolutely. Agree on that. So uh, thank you again, Dr. Brett Brimhall has been our guest today. He's been a great friend of mine. Uh, tell, tell Holly and the kids that uh, we send our love. And from all of us at Nutrigenomic Nation, I hope everyone enjoyed our discussion today. And we hope you join us next time as we discuss other topics related to your good health. Thank you so much, Dr. Brimhall, and thank you so much for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>